0: You're listening to a message from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix that creates space for people to practice the ways of Jesus together. Of saying that it is a privilege and it's an honor to speak here at Kaleo in a community where they um, believe in one another, where they believe in Christ. They believe in a space of what it looks like to, to follow the ways of Jesus. Of of they're having this mix of sitting and contemplation, but at the same time being active about justice. That is an honor to be in a space like this, and it's an honor to, to have you, Aaron, pastor us and us all. And so you have taught me, um, Aaron, it's also an honor for me to be your husband, and you've taught me to not just wait until things are perfect, but to just Start to start acting and doing the things God's given me without it being perfect, with believing in myself. And you've encouraged that. And me and I hope tonight I can encourage you all this evening to do the same in the way you live your lives. Today I will talk about and around the thought that our faith must lead us to action. Jesus' half-brother, James, who was highly regarded by others when he was alive, states that faith without works is dead. And says this in James 1.7, he says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. If you've been around church, I'm sure you've heard this said or preached before. And I hope that it shook you to the core when you heard it. This evening, I want us to begin in a time of contemplation like we have kind of already throughout our time. I love that, that song. We had sung that song, my cousins and my aunt and uncle, we had sung that song at my grandpa's funeral. Um, and so it's a very meaningful song. Thank you. And so the thing I want you all to contemplate as we sit in silence together is where do you see the Spirit moving in your life lately? Where in your life do you see the Holy Spirit moving? Let's take three deep breaths together, and I want you to contemplate on that question. We'll take three deep breaths on my account, One, two, three. Father, thank you for being involved in your creation, of being active in our lives, in our families, in our jobs, in our relationships, God. Thank you for seeing us, thank you for hearing us, thank you for calling us your friend, Jesus. God, I pray that you would give us all a heart to listen to you, a mind to listen to you, God that you would allow this to be a space for us to listen to what I have to say, trusting and believing and listening to you, Father, and that the words that I would say would fall flat on the floor, but the words that you would say, God, would hit the minds and hearts of everyone in here. And we may not only be listeners, but doers of the word as well. In your name I pray, amen. I'm reading a biography right now on the life of the theologian and philosopher named Howard Thurman. It's by this guy named Paul Harvey. And so Howard Thurman, he was a philosopher and theologian who greatly influenced those who participated in the civil rights movement in the 1960s. Paul Harvey states this about Howard Thurman as Howard Thurman was developing his voice as a teacher and speaker. He says that, that Howard Thurman was less concerned with imparting knowledge and more concerned with leading students through deep exploration of both the course material and their dreams and visions for their lives. And so my brothers and sisters, this will be my practice for today. Today. Today, I'll make few claims, and I do not have like an overarching big thesis or strong proposition to give you, but will share my thoughts, heart, and what I believe the Spirit has been bringing to my attention. So this may be a, a different message than what you may be used to. And so it's my hope that you'll be able to make sense of what's said and apply it to your own life, your story, perspective, or at the very least, inspire you to think critically. So buckle up. Around this time last year, John Lewis passed and his famous saying, good trouble became more popular than ever before. What made his quote around good trouble even more popular was a summer filled with protests and riots that challenged the way our society had structured and ordered our police system. The outcries of injustice bled into the order of American society and its systems from the public, nonprofit and private sector being called out as unjust and/or racist. And just like Cain killed his brother Abel, and Abel's blood cried out to God for justice, many continue to cry out for justice after the death of black and brown people. Public outcries from African-Americans and other minority groups deemed our current social order as oppressive and unjust. And as this occurred, others see little wrong with our current social order and view our systems and structures as a means to keep everyone safe, to prevent chaos, to allow for progression of life and social status for everyone. And that those who threaten the current social order in society are viewed as villains, even deemed as demonic. Viewed as people trying to bring in instability and chaos. So, who is the hero and who is the villain? The current social order and those who uphold it who are viewed by some as unjust and racist, or those who attempt to tear down the current social order that others believe keep us safe. I don't know about you all, but that has been on my mind still even after a year of heightened protest that we experienced last year. And in our story together, who is the hero, who is the villain, and what part do you Play in it. This is the question that haunts me as I navigate life. And I ask you to examine your own life as well. Are you the hero or the villain? Are you making things better or are you making things worse? Allowing oppressive and harmful structures to exist without accountability or attempting to destroy and critique an order that keeps people safe and brings happiness. You may have an idea in your head where you sit, but what about the actions you do? Where does your money go? What have you allowed to be said around you or not be said around you? What values do you uphold at home? what values do you hold accountable in the workplace examine your life for a moment are you the hero or the villain that is the question that has permeated our minds and society and culture throughout the past year and also throughout centuries driven by good versus evil what is good what is evil? And I believe we, we see God, we see God's word, propose a different question than that. A better question, and perhaps for the believer, is, who stopped listening to God? Who has stopped listening to God? who has stopped listening and believing in the Spirit and that the Spirit still speaks today. Members in Scripture's hall of faith, which is in Hebrews 11, are tainted with error and imperfection and failure, yet they are counted as great believers because of their belief and faith that led them to action. Jacob had fought for blessings he and his mother believed belonged to him, which led to deception and a strained relationship for a time between his older brother and himself. But it says this about him in Hebrews 11. It says, it was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. The words, as he leaned on his staff, have meaning. After Jacob wrestled with God for the rest of his life, he walked with a limp. And he gave over control of his life to God at that threshold turning point moment. As an old man and now a great hero of the faith, when he's talking to his son Joseph before he dies, says Jacob leaned on his staff, demonstrating his hard-learned trust and dependence on the Lord, realizing that what is heroic for a believer is dependence and belief in God. Samson had mistrusted a girl that he believed was a blessing that God put in his path. He was wrong, but ended his life believing God saw him in his pain, and because of Samson's dependence on the God who sees, Samson's strength returned to him, giving him his greatest victory. Faith and belief are a key element in your walk with God, self, and others. True belief in God's goodness. Belief that there is a God who is there in time of crisis. And he wants good in your life and for your life. Do you truly believe that God wants to bless you? Believe that God has done the great miracles that we read about in Scripture and that he still does miracles even today? Believe that God is your friend, that he listens, he speaks. He sees, he cares, and he's with you. Belief that he will keep you safe. And isn't that what we all desire? Is a space we can feel safe in when we come into. And God promises that when he says he will be with us, meaning that he is above you, he is below you, that he is behind you, he is in front of you, that God is all around you. And he's insanely involved in the world. He's smiling at you. He's cheering for you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Actual belief, God of the universe loves you. I think that's the faith from the Apostle Paul who says this in Romans 8, 38. He says, I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. We must break free from the notion that God is not involved in his creation, and that he just sits idly by, to break free from the notion that God has no interest in keeping you safe or advocating for you. What is your view of authority? How do you view authority? Just because you may have had authority figures that never advocated for you or made you feel safe does not mean that God is that way. And God is with you to believe on him and lean on him. Faith and belief are also a key element in your walk with others. Belief that others have dignity and are made in God's image Belief in the beauty of our differences from our experiences to our skin tones. Belief that people of color are being honest when they tell you their experience of being black or brown in America. Believing that everyone else is just as equally important as you are. Belief that people can change to be and do better for those they love. Do you believe that people can heal from the trauma and wounds they have experienced? Break free from the notion that others' immaturity means that you are better than them? To break free from the notion that God can speak through others even if they are not Christian? What would it look like if Kaleo was a community that that believed in one another? Instead of being skeptical of one another's dreams and aspirations, we look at each other and we say, no cap. Faith and belief are a key element in your own life. Belief in yourself, belief in your gifts and passions, to believe in your creativity and the thoughts that come to your mind, belief in your own convictions to not second-guess yourself so much and doubt yourself and abilities, to believe that what you say matters, what you think matters, and what you feel matters? Do you truly believe that you are enough? And that where you're at in life is enough? And do you believe that your life has meaning? Belief that you are valuable and that you can choose to care for yourself, just like Simone Biles chose to care for herself by stepping down, from the Olympic competition, loving yourself. Belief that you are so valuable that, in fact, God decided to put his spirit in you. It says in Acts 2, as Jesus is leaving, that he deposited his spirit In us. Just like when you're getting ready, right, to to buy a house, you bring a deposit to show that the rest is coming. God deposited His Spirit in us so we can be that promise to the world that the Lord is coming. When you truly believe in yourself, and what the spirit in you is saying, you will be given the motivation to act to get your hands dirty. I have a friend at Neighborhood Ministries who Aaron said I, where I work at, who said that during this time of affirmations that they do for the internship team, that he gave someone who was a seminary student this gift. The seminary student mentioned to him. That she believed sometimes in seminary school, they talked so much theology, they missed the point of being God's hands and feet and applying the theology they were learning. So he gave her dirt. He gave her dirt in a jar to remind her how she got her hands dirty, serving the people at neighborhood ministries. And to remind her throughout her studies that the call of a Jesus follower is to get their hands dirty. We are called not to only talk Bible and to talk heaven, but we must see it. We must see the stories of faith and scripture continue to happen in real time today through your faith that leads to action. Belief in self and in the spirit allows you to boldly take action with a humble confidence. To face the problems that you see in the world. I was speaking with a high school student this week and he told me he went to a camp. And as I was asking him what he learned from his time up there at this Christian camp, he told me that his takeaway from the camp is that people have trouble bringing their problems to God. God. Not because they don't believe he's listening or believe God's too small, but because people don't want to face their problems. (laughs) A high school student told me that. I was like, okay. We are quick to want to deny that there is a problem because we do not want to face it. Today, Pastor Jimmy at Neighborhood Church shared that we must not cling on to denial, but must face reality and the problems we see. That we must go through a time of lamenting that will cause us to act. What power it is to have the belief in yourself and the spirit that allows you to face your problems and society's problems head on. Barbara Holmes, who is another theologian, says this. She says that faith reminds us that the boundaries between this life and life are beyond. And that our power is not seated in what is bestowed by politicians and society, but to everyone willing and ready to recognize the moves of an active Holy Spirit. By being receptive to the things that we don't understand, we fling open the center of our being to the mysteries of the divine. Are you willing and ready to recognize the moves of an active Holy Spirit? I believe to be ready is to also trust in God's grace. When the actions you take or perhaps the wrong actions. But owning up by saying, perhaps I heard God and His Spirit incorrectly. Acting according to God's Spirit is a move of faith and trust in His grace. At Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas are running against the problem of Jewish Christians forcing Gentiles, non Jews, to be circumcised. And after a meeting where Jewish Christian leaders spoke about it, they wrote this to this non-Jewish church in Acts 15.28. This was a pressing matter to them, and they write this. They said, For it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements that you must abstain from eating food offered to idols from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Farewell. The part I want to focus on on this letter they wrote to the church is them saying it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. That short phrase alone communicates that these great believers of the past tried their best to understand the Spirit and act on it but have some unsuredness about their decision. They weren't really sure at the time, but they went out and acted. We emphasize the grace of God on forgiving our individual sins and vices when I believe a case can be made for the idea that God has given us grace for the mistakes and failures we make by trying to do good by him and others and trying to act on faith and the Spirit. I encourage you to keep trying even if you fail. Megan McKenna states this about the beginning of Jesus' sermon on the mount that states, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, for you shall be satisfied. She says, When I understand Jesus' words in Aramaic, Instead of agree, Greek, she says, in Aramaic, I translate this, Jesus saying, get up, go ahead, do something. Move you who are hungry and thirsty for justice, for you shall be satisfied. Get up, go ahead, do something. Move you peacemakers, for you shall be called children of God. To me, this reflects Jesus' words and teachings much more accurately. I can hear him saying, get your hands dirty to build a human society for human beings. Otherwise, others will torture and murder the poor, the voiceless, and the powerless. Christianity is not a passive but active, energetic, alive, going beyond despair, faith. Get up, go ahead, do something, move, Jesus said to his disciples. All of us share a desire for a human society where everyone can feel safe and a society where justice rolls down like a river and everyone can live in harmony together. The beautiful order and society we all seek, scripture tells us, came as a person. And that is good news, my brothers and sisters, that it came as Jesus Christ. And what is also good news is that he put his spirit in you. Jesus put his spirit in us to reflect the reordering of society, to reflect his kingdom, just like a deposit on a house, the spirit is deposited in you as a promise of restoration. Trust the Spirit and believe that the Spirit is in you, but are you listening? Are you listening? My good friend and mentor, Chris Townley, who's a pastor here, wrote this in his Holy Spirit Leadership and Practice course for his doctorate program. It begins like this. He says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. To speak against the evils of the world requires us to discern how to identify what is evil. Throughout the scriptures, evil, especially as the Apostle Paul describes it in Ephesians, looks within the cracks and crevices of life, hiding in the shadows of the spiritual realm. It does not seem as if we are able to simply clasp hold of evil with our physical hands and strangle it into non-existence. Biblically speaking, evil is much too crafty for us to confidently snatch it from our lives and deposit it in a trash dumpster in the alley. Evil characterized as the fullest expression of the evil one, the accuser, the Satan, the enemy. The devil is subtle and way less distinguishable than God's people would like to admit it to be. As Ephesians 6:12 communicates to us, evil slithers its way through the unseen world, among the darkness, where we cannot quite get a life-saving grasp on it. In order to speak against this seemingly elusive evil, we must learn to live and operate in the unseen, in the spiritual dimensions of our lives and the world we occupy. This is why Paul exhorts to us, pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion, because the Spirit offers us the language and indwelling necessary to identify and overcome the evil of the unseen world. If we do not pray in the Spirit at all times and forever stay tethered to God's presence, then we cannot speak against the evils we encounter. However, to speak against the evils is not solely about talking in the Spirit, but also learning to listen to the voice of the Spirit who will teach you at the times what needs to be said. To listen requires you to be silent. Perhaps that is why God made us with two ears in one mouth, as my friend Brad reminds me. To be silent, to be still, to contemplate on what we hear, and then move so that Jesus may be seen in the world we live. I want you to take that time now to Listen. And believe in yourself and what the Spirit in you may be saying by contemplating and discerning what you may need to act on. So, ask the band to come up as well at this time. Again, I ask you all to get in a posture, so ever comfortable to you to be in. And to take three deep breaths, again, on my count. Close your eyes, perhaps while doing it. One. Two. Three. I want you all to imagine yourself sitting down at a coffee shop, here in Phoenix, or tea, whatever you prefer. And the person sitting next to you, facing you, is Jesus. He is giving you his full attention. You begin to tell him about the problems you're facing at home, at work, school, And you begin to tell him problems that you see in our society that may bother you. And then you ask him, Jesus, what do you want me to know about all of this? Give time for Jesus to respond. Jesus, what is it you want me to do about all of it? Give time for Jesus to respond. in a hurry when it comes to you speaking to us, God, when it comes to your Spirit, make us great listeners of you and show us where to go, what to say. As we trust you to be in front of us, behind us, above us, as we trust you to be all around us. sources or information about Kaleo. Please visit our website at kaleophx.com or follow us on social media. If this episode has been helpful to you, let us know or share it with someone you know.